Hi, hello everyone. Welcome to Social Media Made Simple. I'm Elisa, Product Marketing Manager at Napoleon Cat here. And today I am ecstatic because we have been fans for such a long time. Uh, my guest today is Anime Hodge from Girl Power Marketing. Yay! Annie, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be to be on here. Thank you so much. Uh, Annie is the founder of Girl Power Marketing, and she's bringing social media news trends um, to to her community and also to us because we have been following you for quite <laughs> some some time. You probably get that question asked a lot because you founded Girl Power Marketing in 2020 and we all mm -hmm. know what happened then, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious, how did you get to found your business and um, how it came, you know, how it came to life and how was that experience for you? So I launched Girl Power Marketing in 2020, but it was, it wasn't a business then. It wasn't even, you know, it didn't even enter my mind that it would be a business. I kind of wanted to prove to people mm. that you could have a successful career in marketing specifically without a degree, because for those of you that don't know, I don't have a degree. I didn't finish college education. Um, I was diagnosed with anorexia when I was in my late teens. Um, I kind of rotted in bed for a couple of years. And I honestly thought that like I wouldn't have a career or be successful. Um, probably the illness contributed to that. But I think in school, it was definitely drilled into you that if you didn't go to university, you didn't have a degree or any form of higher education, that was kind of it for you. Like you wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, and I always joke that I'm a bit yeah. of a nepotism baby um, because my mum managed to <laughs> get me my first job as an admin assistant in a digital marketing agency where she worked. Um, and without her, I would not know where I would be today. Um, and that was kind of my first foot in the door of digital marketing. And I thought I could do this. But a lot of the things that I was doing wasn't interesting me until I stumbled across social media. And I wish I had a really interesting story about how I stumbled across that being a job. But it just came to me and I asked um, my employer at the time if I could do their socials. And I realized that I really loved it, um, but I wanted to take it a bit further because I kind of knew that there wasn't going to be an in-house role opening up for me. Um, I'd been there quite a few years at that point. So you kind of get to know what's going to be on the cards or not. Um, so I started Girl Power Marketing and the whole initiative was just to prove to other people that they don't need a degree because they can watch me do it. And I was kind of like the social proof of where you can get to. Um, and I think the Instagram account, which is where I first launched it, grew to a thousand followers in a month. Um, and if anyone wants to stalk, you can go, you can scroll all the way down my page and find the little post where I celebrated that. Um, and I really, that made me realize that there was actually kind of, not a market, because I'm not trying to sell to anyone, but there was that space for that conversation and people really kind of needed to hear that and resonated with that. Um, and it wasn't until this year that I actually decided to launch Girl Power Marketing as a business because I realized that I wanted mm -hmm. to just, I wanted to do more. Um, so I didn't just want to post fun educational stuff and like memes, you know, I love a meme. Um, I really wanted to get some more money Everyone into the business. Memes. 
everyone loves a meme and I'm not gonna lie, I think I'm great at them. <laughs> Gotta be your own biggest fan. Um, but I wanted to really have the time and dedication to focus on it. Um, and I was in a really privileged position where I was, again, nepotism baby coming through. I was working for my brother who also owns a digital marketing agency. Um, and he kind of gave me that foot in the door of, you've got the safety net of the fact that we will be your client. Um, just go and do your own thing and fail at it. You know, go and try at least, because if you don't try, you won't ever grow it into the thing that you want it to become. Um, and then that is when Girl Power Marketing for me became, I want to be that foot in the door for people. I want to be that privilege that other people have because they found my resource. They, they've had help through Girl Power Marketing that they've actually been able to get a job. They've been able to move up the ladder in their career. Um, so it was, it's kind of more about now taking my privilege of where I've got and being able to spread that to everyone else which is a very long-winded version of that story. <laughs> but I, I love so many things about the story. First, I, I really appreciate you sharing uh, and being open and transparent about your struggles with eating disorders because I think so many people feel alone in, mm. in that. And I, I think it's for... It's true for any any type of struggle, really, when we live in this society where um, there's so much pressure to be perfect. And yet then there's someone who has the courage to say, uh, I had my struggles, but still, um, you know, I, I made it. Um, and uh, the degree thing, oh my gosh, I, uh, I'm... <laughs> Like I, I'm a psychologist by degree and my mm. career was far away from being linear. My career is up and down. I've changed career paths three times. So mm. I, I think the more people see non-standard career ways, the more options they have um, for them. Mm. And uh, um, in the term... And I think also there's absolutely no shame in using the opportunities that you have. Like if, if you can um, uh, put your foot in the door somewhere, do it and then try. I think mm. that's the biggest thing because uh, I know so many people who are perfectionists and they're never trying. And it's such a shame because there's so much talent and, and um, potential. So um, ama amazing story and and thank you for sharing because I'm I'm really sure that uh, some of our listeners will feel um, mm. inspired. Um, and now your community has over one hundred thousand members. So what's the secret sauce uh, <laughs> to creating? And I think you really, the way I see it, you really have a community mm. uh, uh, around you. Um, I don't know if you share that feeling, but uh, it's not just, you know, this like, oh, community, because we mm. have followers, but it's, it's really, they are active, they, they interact and it's, and they really, help each other out, which is, thing. which is amazing. Like, sometimes I don't get to my comments, um, as quickly as I'd like to, because I just get distracted by other things, um, and just, you know, normal life stuff. But when I go through the comments and, you know, if someone has a question, someone in the community asks 
answers straight away. Um, and I don't have to be the person that's, you know, running it all. Like everyone else just is, is there in a safe space that's willing to help each other out or help each other understand something or even just find that, you know, comradeship of we struggle with this. This is a really common thing. You're not alone. Mm. Like, you know, I often, you know, I make memes and a common theme with one of my memes is, you know, social media is easy in like quotation marks because it's something I've heard quite a lot. And you often get people kind of in disbelief, like surely no one says that, but the amount of times you hear that, and especially if you're working on your own in-house, like you're dealing with a lot of different opinions of what people think social media is and how you work. And it can feel really lonely and isolating. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the Girl Power Marketing community is it's that relatability and that friendship that people can find in, you know, they're not alone and other people struggle with the same things and people get told the same things. And it's not, it's not just them. It's not a personal attack. It's this really unfortunate perception of our industry. Mm. So did you have a strategy beforehand for precisely that mm. or did it kind of um, come out um, as a byproduct of, of what you're posting? I think, you know, in the first two years of Girl Power, so now I'm like my third year, um, I don't think I really had that, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't know what I had in those first two years. I think I had mm. a really good foundation. Um but I know I wasn't putting my soul into it. I think I was kind of had the fear of people finding out that I didn't have a degree, which is silly because I was talking about it, but it was kind of that they're going to realize I'm an imposter. Like, what do I have to give? Um, and then at the start of this year, I posted on my personal LinkedIn that I'm tired of saying no to things through the fear of messing up or, you know, my anxiety getting in the way. Um, and that I would owe it to myself to say yes more. Um, and I genuinely didn't think I'd stick to it. I thought, you know, it's a LinkedIn post, you know, I fit it out there, but I don't know if I'll actually stick to it. And you know what I have. And one of those things was I needed, I knew I needed to humanize girl power marketing more. A lot of people had no idea who was behind it. They had no idea what made me different to everyone else. Um, they wouldn't be able to point me out if my picture was somewhere or like even my name. Um, so I started doing the things I was uncomfortable with, like making videos and going on Instagram live, um, sharing my story more and opening up a bit more, um, and just really kind of humanizing the girl power marketing, like brand and community. And I would say that has been my secret source because I've seen the most growth I've ever seen in the entire three years, um, this year. And the community has just been getting stronger and stronger. And I think that is because, you know, the authenticity of the fact that, you know, I don't lie about kind of not lie, but there's no smoke and mirrors about where I've come from. I'm very, you know, who I am via yeah. girl power marketing is who you would meet in real life. You know, I would tell you exactly the same things, you know, I'm very honest about my struggles and the fact, you know, my social media timeline isn't perfect. My journey isn't perfect and it, it never will be. Uh, and I think that's kind of really what set me apart to other people was just the fact that people can relate to me and they don't just see it as, um, I don't know, me, you know, trying to become an influencer or me trying to build the biggest brand mm -hmm. possible. It's just me 
being me in public and, you know, really sharing my mission with people, which I think a lot of people kind of relate with, um, especially if you are someone, you know, that's not had that kind of traditional timeline into like in your career. Um, I think you have that natural instinct to want to share that with other people and help other people do the same thing. Um, and I think that's kind of really what set me apart. Yeah. I, and I, I, I love this so much. Uh, you're already my second guest here on the podcast who says exactly the same, that mm. being authentic is the only way to go. Um, especially, I think now we see so much similar content out there. So to really stand out, you cannot mm. try to, to be someone else. Um, being authentic is the way to go. And um, my question to you would be, how? what would you say to someone who's struggling right now? How do you find the courage to to stay true to yourself and find that own voice? Because like we see over and over, it works. People are drawn to um, to people that where you can see, yes, this is the person. It's not like some artificial persona, but I can see very easy how this can be uh, triggering major anxiety and be very difficult. Mm. So what would be your advice to, to people? I would say um, only open up the parts that you're comfortable with. You know, you, you see authenticity thrown about mm. all the time. Um, and I, I've been throwing it about, but you know, that doesn't mean you have to open up yourself like entirely there's there's so much that I don't share with the world because you know you choose what you want to share um and I think something that really helped me was I had my first kind of what I would call successful round of therapy in 2021 um, and it kind of changed my life mm -hmm. um and I never thought I would say that but yeah it changed my life and it was all because my therapist told me about core values um which is kind of something you believe in that is of central importance to you so that you can make decisions easier you can feel more aligned with with what you do um and for example one of my core values is contribution and prior to therapy I didn't realize why I felt so anxious about things or why I didn't feel like I was successful or why I just wasn't getting where I needed to be um and it's because I kind of realized that I wasn't contributing uh, in the ways that was meaningful um, to me. And once I understood that, it kind of gave me the confidence to put myself out there more. Um, and another thing that really helps me, which I am, you know, I don't know, it sounds really bleak and I'm going to sound so depressing saying this. But and it's something that is the way I have to think about things in order to get me to do things, because otherwise I genuinely think that I would still be rotting in bed now um, is that, you know, life is the longest thing we do, but also the shortest thing that we do. Um, and would I be happy with what I have achieved or what I have done based on, you know, my core values, because that's different for everyone? if I were to die tomorrow, um, which I know is so bleak. Mm. Um, but it's the it's what motivates me to stick to my core values, to really get myself out there, because the last thing I want to do, in all honesty, is go on podcasts, which sounds 
so awful because in my head, I know that it's the best thing to do, right? I love talking to people, but I would often let the fear of that get in the way. Yeah. And which I know, <laughs> I'm so sorry for saying that on a podcast, um, but I don't want to go to live events. I don't want to do these things <laughs> in, in me. I would much rather stay at home and be behind the scenes. Um, but equally, that's really bad for me based on my core values and what actually matters to me. Um, and I think if you can just, you know, do one little thing every week that pushes yourself into being more authentically, authentically you and showing up as authentically you, you will then naturally just start to become more and more um, confident in yourself, which is the only thing you need to be, you, the only thing you need really. Um, and another thing with that is to not compare your journey to other people. So some people might look at me and not look oh, at yeah. the entire journey and think, oh, well, she's got all of these followers. She gets brandy or she gets this and that. And like, I've only just started and I'm not seeing the same thing or I'm three years in and I'm not seeing quite the same effect. But, you know, a lot of what, you know, a lot of the beginning of my journey was down to luck and privilege. Um, and a lot of people don't start off with that. You know, there's people like, Matt Navarra, who I absolutely love, who didn't start his social media career until he was in his like 30s, I believe. Um, and if I've got that wrong, I do apologize. But I know it was late in his life and he has changed careers so often and didn't really figure out kind of what he wanted to do until much later on in life. Like you don't need to have it figured out now. And it's really hard when you're online to not compare yourself. But the easiest thing that I do to stop that is if I see something and I'm like, why am I not like that person? I just come off the app and I don't allow myself to go back on it um, yeah. for a while. And I go and do something else because it's really easy to get trapped in that way of thinking. Um, but ultimately you've kind of got to do those little, little things and they don't need to be anything grand, you know, post on LinkedIn once a month. If, if, the, if you want to build on your personal brand or you want to just show up a bit more, just do it once a month, you know, look up some prompts online. They don't have to be the most amazing groundbreaking things. It's just all about building your confidence in showing up as you and getting that kind of gratification and social proof of it's not that scary and people aren't going to judge me for doing this. And even if they do, oh, well, you know, we all judge people sometimes and it's not yeah. the end of the world. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it, I think as humans, we're naturally curious and we're naturally judgmental. Um, so I think if we realize what we do, it's less scary thinking about other people doing the same thing. Um, so, yeah, that would be my my best advice for, for showing up and getting yourself out there. Beautiful um, the values and kind of the non-negotiables. And, and I think the secret is we think so much about what other people think. Mm. about us and most of the people are busy thinking about themselves and what other yes. people think about them no one is actually thinking as much <laughs> about us as we think about ourselves so no one no um, one cares more I, about I think, you than you yeah. <laughs> exactly so you know the secret sauce is, is building up your confidence and mm. that that is a very easy answer but at the same time the most difficult task but um really appreciating sharing sharing those insights it's like also like for personal development i, I think mm. that's an uh, absolute gem um and now i want to shift the conversation a little to mm -hmm. um your 
uh, little, you know, the, the area of expertise. <laughs> um, 2024, um, the trends have been there for quite a while, but mm-hmm. for anyone late to the party, what are your predictions for um, the, the digital marketing for, for this year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I will say that I have seen a lot of people suggest that influencer marketing is dead. Like flat out, I have seen it so much in the last month or so mm. that it will be fully dead, which I think is kind of hyperbole. I don't think that that's I really, really don't believe that that will happen. Um, but I do think we will see a shift in influencer marketing in the sense that more brands will be leaning more towards industry experts or people with authority rather than the main focus being on a follower count. Um, and I worked with SEMrush earlier this year um, on 2024 trends, earlier this year, earlier last year, um, which was a huge pinch me moment. Um, and I suggested that authenticity will be one of the biggest, if not the biggest trends next year. But I think when people hear authenticity, they think that, you know, it's just being yourself and which, you know, that is a part of it. But I mean, authenticity in the sense that you are the expert in what you do. There's no smoke and mirrors, you know, that's where de-influencing kind of comes in. And de-influencing was meant to be kind of a trend in 2023. But I don't think we saw as much of that as people thought. And I think, well, I'm hoping that in 2024, we will start to see that. And that's where kind of like the honesty and transparency kind of comes into things and authenticity is being just more intentional with kind of the content that you put out and if it aligns with your personal values or your brand values um you know people don't want to see perfect content anymore you know there are some instances where they do but I think overall people want to see the the true side the relatable side of things um which is kind of why I think people like Alex Earl have blown up Um, Because fundamentally, she's the least relatable person ever. She comes from an incredibly wealthy family. um, And on paper, most people could not relate to her. But she has somehow created that connection with the audience by showing the smoke and mirrors that other influencers might not. You know, her struggles with acne, her outfit mishaps. Um, I think she wore a tracksuit to a game last year. And it was a really cute video that she done. And then the next day she showed the actual reality of it. And I think her entire butt was covered in sweat. Um, And, you know, we've all had silly outfit mishaps, but you don't often see those kind of perfect influencers show that side. Um, And that's kind of what people are looking for. Um, So I definitely think that influencer marketing will be bigger than ever, but we will just see a shift in the type of influencing that we are gonna receive. And I think the other thing that we're gonna see a shift in is um, short form content kind of being chucked out the window Um, because TikTok Creator Mm -hmm. Fund has changed and it is now, basically you have to create videos a minute long and more to be able to have a chance of being monetized and get part of those funds. And they're really pushing video content that's longer than a minute and I see why because as I said authenticity is huge and it's so hard to be authentic in 10 seconds or 30 seconds or however long people want to see more of a story that they you know 
they they want to be able to connect with the people that they're watching which is a really kind of ironic shift because I think longer form content had its had its moment um, a few years ago and it's coming back and it's kind of reminds you that trends come and go um, same with like fashion you know we're seeing you know a huge rise constantly in Y2K and 90s fashion and it's one of those things that even though we talk about trends every year um, I think fundamentally that's all they are they're just trends and I think you know I don't know if I've seen many people say this um, but I think there shouldn't be such a strong focus on trends you know we see the reports every year we talk about them every year yeah. but have has one trend specifically benefited masses and masses of people probably not no I'd love to see some data on that uh, and I think it can really put a pressure on people and especially people in marketing um, to really stick to those trends that they just blindly listen to other people saying um, without really thinking about does that trend align with the brand is there any longevity to it how much is it going to cost do we have the resources for it um, you know we we saw the rise of unhinged content, you know, and that's great for brands like Duolingo. Um, I mean, I don't personally love the content, even as a Gen Z myself. I think some of the jokes are a bit, ugh, you know, there's children on this app and it's not that funny. Um, but I don't know if that's just me getting older and a bit more boring in my age. Um, but, you know, that meant that we saw a rise of really like small, you know, average B2B brands, you know, like accountancy firms trying to achieve the same thing with unhinged content. And it just doesn't work. It ends up making your brand or your business kind of look, you know, if you if you want to present yourself as an authority, you probably don't want to be posting unhinged content 24-7, you know. If you're an accountancy firm and you're, you're posting about your mascot doing some unhinged things, what does that say about the service you're providing? Um, and I think that's kind yeah. of, I think that's a, not a huge problem, but it's definitely a problem that I've been noticing since working in social media is that people try and stick to trends without actually thinking Um of how it impacts them and how they come across and what they want to achieve in marketing. And that, if for me, if I could have uh, any yeah, trend. It really works. Yeah, if I could have anything happen over the next couple of years, it would be more people um, using trends lightheartedly. Um, you know, we always, um, you know, say that people shouldn't jump on TikTok trends, which is, you know, I kind of agree with. It's not always, it's not always relevant. But why should we be encouraging people to constantly hop on new trends every year? I think there's a difference between hopping on a trend yeah. and being aware of it. But sometimes you don't know how to use it. And if you don't know, don't do it. There is no pressure. And I think there can be a huge pressure to do that. Um, so, yeah, sorry for that little <laughs> rant about social media trends. Uh, it's just something that I haven't actually said no, to anyone no, else before. I actually agree uh, that um, taking, I, I think taking anything wi without real consideration, just be because something has worked for another brand doesn't mean it will work for you. It's the same with platforms. Um, and just being more deliberate. I, for me personally, what I want for 
as my personal goal for 2024 is to be more deliberate in which projects I engage and mm -hmm. which will gain more traction instead of just thinking, oh, let's do this, let's do that, which is tempting and fun and you want to be creative. I really want to see is that, I know it sounds bad, but is that worth my energy and would it yeah. bring something meaningful um, further down the road? Um, when you were talking about influencers, I, I cannot, I cannot ask, uh, what are your thoughts on the AI created influencer? I've seen people raging mm. all over the internet, like, oh my gosh, she's fully like artificial that, that just shows that all of influencers are crap and <laughs> yeah, as, um, so. I spoke about this uh, maybe like a month ago because I saw a popular kind of strate social strategist suggest that we will see a rise in robotic influencer content. And while I don't 100% disagree because I think, you know, it's interesting to see something that we don't always see and initially it gets lots of traction naturally because it's, you know, not our norm. Um, I just don't think that's true. I think we need that human to human connection more than ever, you know, with coronavirus, with more people working from home, with the rise of artificial intelligence. You know, I think that's going to lead to AI fatigue and people not necessarily trusting what they're reading or what they're seeing. Um, we need that human connection. And the example I can think of off the top of my head is Pinky Doll, that woman who does that goes on live and she's like yes 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 and she's very robotic and she popped off for I don't know maybe a week or two and then when I went and checked because I was going to write an article about it um I thought I'll have a little look at her TikTok see how she's performing her actual content doesn't perform that well she doesn't have an engaged community she's mm. she's you know kind of stagnant in her growth um she also does a lot of paid ads that aren't disclosed um, which, you know, other people might not notice, but as a marketer, I unfortunately notice when you see Fashion Nova tagged in everything and yeah. then there's a link in the bio, but there's no ad. It's kind of like, that's a bit sus. But those videos don't perform well. It's kind of, you know, people have seen it. There's nothing new. They can't resonate with it. Um, they might be able to resonate with some of her fashion videos. They might be interested in that. But, you know, with more people being interested in caring about things like sustainability, and then you're promoting a fast fast fashion brand like Fashion Nova, you're creating even more of a disconnect, even, even yeah. if that's not important to you as a creator, um, you are just creating an even more of a disconnect between you and an audience. Um, and there's nothing that, you know, people can connect to. You can't relate to being a robot. I mean, maybe you can and work, but in the way that she does it, you can't. Um, and I just think that, if anything, robotic content and AI content, especially when it comes to influencers, just prove how much kind of, not that we need influencers, but we need those people that are real, that we can connect to and relate to and know that we're not alone because even though we can't relate to a lot of influencers that are getting, you know, like six figures for a brand deal, when they're talking about things like grief or mental health, or things that are really personal to them um, that a lot of other people are, are going through, it really creates that 
it really not even creates it eradicates that sense of loneliness it makes you feel less weird for struggling with something um it, it you know opens up conversations that you might not be able to open up to with your friends or family um and for me i think that is what makes human influencers stand out and why they like the influencer industry just won't be dead it will just change um and i don't think mark my words but i don't think we have anything to worry about with you know ai influences yeah um it almost sounds to me like we it, we don't need influencers we need inspirational leaders more, yeah <laughs> more uh i guess yeah people people who can by their story um motivate and lead other people to to maybe um, get out of whatever box they are currently uh, into. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking about being human, um, social media can be very exhausting. Um, you talk a lot about that. Like your community is also about that sense of like, man, it's sometimes so hard. So how do you take care of your own well-being and stay sane in, in this madness <laughs> I think you know it's something I definitely struggle with I don't think it's kind of like a final destination it's definitely a journey you know one week you'll have it figured out and you do the most for yourself and you feel sane and then the next week everything goes absolutely tits up um, because you know life gets in the way think unexpected things happen and you don't always deal with things in a linear in a linear way um but I think what I've been doing for myself is and this has only been the last couple of months to be honest that I've really had to check myself um mm -hmm. is making time once a week for a hobby um because it's very easy to finish work and then sit on your phone while you're watching tv and yeah. have two screens in front of you and then there's that disconnect um I try and put my phone down to read more, even if that's just half an hour or an hour, like I will set whatever's reasonable for that day. So I try not to be too strict with myself. I think, I think as humans, especially as we get older, we have that childlike ability to, when you tell yourself or someone tells you, you need to be doing this for X amount of time per day. You're like, no, I don't want to do that because it's not on your terms. It's, it doesn't yeah. fit your every day. And it, you, you go back into that childlike state of, no, I don't want to do that now that you've suggested that. Um, so, yeah, I try not to be too strict with myself. It's it's a lot of self-reflection, I think, and it's really hard to do. And it doesn't look the same every day. You, I just kind of anything outside of social media is is a win for me, whether that's going for a walk or reading or doing some arts and crafts, you know, be, be doing something new, um, just doing anything or even, you know, intentionally watching a film and not having your phone as a distraction and putting it in another room so you don't pick it up yeah. every 10 minutes to check something. Um, I would also suggest, like, if you can, not having emails on your phone, like work emails, um, mm -hmm. you know, setting a time limit on social media for after work. Um, unfollowing anyone that doesn't bring you joy or content that just, you know, makes you feel bad. Even though you might be interested, you're kind of like hate consuming, you know, it's, it's not good. You, even if you think it doesn't impact you, it, it does. Um, and just being more mindful about the time you spend on social media. I, I had a thought recently that was kind of like on my personal Instagram, it's, it's weird how many people watch your story 
but won't interact with you. You know, they're lurkers. They they yeah. don't interact with your content. They they don't message you. And it really weirded me out when I realized that. Like, I think I only have something like 800 followers at, and I've, on Instagram on my personal, um, which I've had since I was far too young to have it. Um, and it really made me realize that we have lost that sense of social media being social. So when I'm using it personally, mm -hmm. I yeah. try and use it intentionally for being social. And as soon as I find myself just scrolling for the sake of scrolling or comparison or whatever it may be, I just chuck my phone. <laughs> I chuck my phone um, and I try and go and do something else yeah. because I, the more, the less social I am on things, the more disconnected I become. And I think, oh, this is going to go in a really deep tangent, but um, I think growing up with social media really impacted my ability to speak to people um, and it's not something I noticed until this year mm, yeah. um, I am so used to talking to people behind a screen since the age of like 13 I'm 26 now um, and I've, I've been so much more comfortable messaging people rather than talking to people or picking up the phone um, that it really stunted that kind of personal development of being able to talk to people and you know being able to talk to people I think is a huge skill um and since I've started using social media a bit more intentionally for the sake of being social you know liking my friends posts and actually responding to their stories and trying to actually have a conversation with people um it has helped me in my physical life as well um and being able to talk to people and it not being a scary thing which kind of sounds pathetic but I think anyone who has grown up in a similar way will you know maybe resonate with the fact um that you feel that disconnect and it, it kind of leaks into your into your personal life yeah and I hate speaking talking on the phone I just yeah, hate it like I that. hate it <laughs> can I text you and yeah. even uh because like I'm an elder elderly millennial myself <laughs> and um I saw a reel on Instagram that millennials uh text each like message each other can I call you before and we were <laughs> laughing so hard with my best friend because essentially that's what you do and I'm like is this a good time to call because I'm really <laughs> tired and I want to type but I there's very selected few people that I like to talk with over mm. the phone um and um uh, thank you for sharing because as you were talking, um, I realized that personally for myself, I've I've been away uh, to Canada for one and a half year and I've seen so many people I know just like watching my stories, but no one actually reached out and I was feeling super lonely. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think what, what you said about like being social and social media as opposed to just creeping up on people because like you... It's very easy to feel the connection like, oh, I see this person. I know what she's doing. Mm. Um, I see that like she's traveling, so she's well, but that person may not be well at all. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, people go out, be social and social again <laughs> or go <laughs> offline and just take a break. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so um, at the end of every episode, we do this. We have our cats per uh, some <laughs> questions that we ask everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's your social media platform and why? Oh, so I think work-wise, it has to be LinkedIn. Um, I really love mm -hmm. it on there. I think that was the first platform where I kind of felt like I could talk to people like me and really just be myself um, and not have to hide kind of like who I am, where I came from. Um, and it's kind of where I really found my feet. Um, but personally, I loved Twitter. I used to love it a lot, but this year it's, you know, with everything that's happened with Elon Musk, it's just, wow. it's a really hateful platform. Like I use my social yeah. account 99% of the time and I'll often you know go on my personal just to have a little look and the for you feed is horrible like I didn't see the difference because I was on my social account more so all of the content was kind of marketing related because that's what I was interacting with but because yeah. I don't use my personal that much and I'm more of a lurker on there it's actually disgusting the kind of content that can come up on your feed yeah. like I genuinely had porn show up on my for you and like wow I right and I genuinely was like I think people it sounds so bad because you know but this is how people judge you know I am not perfect but like I'd see people say how horrible their for you pages and I'd be like but mine is all marketing related like what are you guys seeing and then when I saw my personal for you page because I hadn't been on there I was honestly I don't go on it anymore because it just absolutely kind of it just disgusted me I just couldn't believe what was on there um so at right now I would say Instagram is my favorite um for personal use mm -hmm. I used to be really scared of posting but now I've kind of told myself to not be scared just post what I want because it's about being social you don't need to create perfect content and I think working in marketing you can kind of have that it can kind of leak into your personal socials as well of all oh, I need to create the most aesthetic content to post but like People from high school don't care. <laughs> They're just nosy. They want to see yeah. what you're up to. So you may as well post stuff that well, like brings you joy. <laughs> let, let's just start with the fundamental question. What personal content? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All my personal content. Lying, just like dying there. Yeah. Because that's the last thing I want to do. Post anything. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Once I've finished work, I'm um, like, I do not want to. <laughs> Yeah. Um, is there anything you're watching, reading or listening that you are now absolutely in love with and would like to recommend to our listeners? So I recently read Yellow Face um, and that is an incredible book that I, I read in two days. Um, I, I think it has some really interesting commentary as well on cancel culture and social media. Uh, I don't want to say any more because I don't want to mm -hmm. spoil the book for anyone that's potentially reading it or it's on their to read list. Um, but that got me back into reading um, and kind of got my attention span back a little bit. Um, and I just thought yes. it had some really, yay, <laughs> it had some really interesting commentary. Um, and I really liked the way it was written. It was an uncomfortable read as well, um, but it, it had a really important point. Uh, and I hope there is a second book because kind of ends on a, on a, it ends very unsatisfyingly. <laughs> um, and then I've also been reading Talking Ooh, to Strangers. Yeah. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> um, I've also been reading Talking to Strangers, which I'm going to admit something really embarrassing. I didn't read what it was about, and I thought it was about 
just tips on how to talk to strangers. <laughs> um, and then when okay. I <laughs> read the opening, I was like, no, I mean, it's on the, along the same lines, but it, it's not, you know, this is how you make small talk. Um, but it's about kind of like why we struggle to communicate efficiently with people and how that can have really drastic and negative impacts, you know, in the in the world. Um, and, you know, it covers things about like why we're more likely to believe someone is telling the truth rather than being deceived. Um, and I'm only a quarter of the way through the book, but it's so interesting. Um, it talks a lot about things that have happened in history and current events. And, you know, it kind of not changed my world so far, but it's it's made me more mindful in the ways that I interact with people, even on a small scale, not like a life-changing global scale. Um, so yeah, they're the two things that I've been reading that I genuinely recommend to absolutely everyone. And the most important question of all times, cats or dogs? Dogs, 100%. I have um, a 13-year-old Labrador who is blind, he's got dementia and he's going deaf. And I've had him since I was 13, so he is my little bestie we grew up together um and yeah it's there's dogs through and through I do love cats I love all animals but I'd choose a dog always oh yeah I had a doggy who had doggy dementia too <laughs> it's so, so sad isn't it <laughs> yeah but he's the best he he's living his best life he's a really really happy boy considering you know he is blind almost going deaf and doesn't know where he is um but he is living his best life so it wouldn't surprise me if he lived another five years <laughs> well all the longest and happiest uh <laughs> life uh years to your boy um well this has been an absolute pleasure thank you thank you so much for um being here and uh, being authentic as well uh, throughout this conversation. Um, for our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Um, check out our other episodes, subscribe and look out for more. And until then, have a terrific time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>